Don't, don't want to cut it off, but since I'm talking for an hour and a half, we should probably get going. <laughs> Just kidding, I do young adults. We, we can't pay attention that long. So hey, welcome. Uh, my name is Alan Budd. I'm the director of Catalyst, the young adult ministry. And uh, here at New Life, and, and <laughs> they're over there. I'm excited to be back up here with you guys again. It seems like it's been so long, um, but we're starting a new series this week. Uh, for the next three weeks, uh, the series is called Fan Into Flame. Investing into the next generation. And so for the next three weeks, you're going to hear about this, of, of how we can invest our life into others. And you may have heard this quote before, that someone said that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. Just one generation. If we stop this, it's going to end. So passing on this message is, is so critical, and the growth of this message is so vital. And so I want you thinking through as we talk today of the people that invested in your life and think about the ways that they've helped you along the way. And I'm going to start with a little bit of my story, kind of paint a little picture here for you, okay? So I I grew up in a church where at a a particular age, you you walked up the the aisle, you came and sat on the front pew, and you talked to the preacher about how you were a sinner, and then they usher you in the back room, and, and you got baptized for the remission of your sins. And it all happened right around a particular age. And so my sister, when she got to that particular age, she, she, she went for her visit with God. And then I was next. And so right, right at first, it didn't bring any, any pressure on me because I was a year younger. But as the time passed, and then my next sister, because I have ten brothers and sisters, and I'm number two. So when the next sister, she went up and did her visit with God, and, and then my brother, I, I think I started making some of the ladies, the little old ladies, nervous at the church. And, and they would come up to me, and they'd, they'd pat me on the shoulder, and they'd say, hey, Alan, we're praying for you. <laughs> and I, I, I would say, thank you. <laughs> and as sibling after sibling make their, their visit with God, and they'd go up front, I could tell the pressure cooker was kind of growing because more and more often uh, they come up and do the patent prayer. You know, the, hey, I'm praying for you. So I just kept trying to bury the message. And so I'd say like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> but it seemed strange to me that we just did more of the same and no one really wanted to know why. Why? And so I I didn't learn anything new. I believed in the existence of God, but I didn't believe anything new to make it more real to me. So then I go off to college. I go to OSU. I'm 18. And I get a job at the theater box office. And so I'm managing uh, the the box office. One of the employees, her name is is Cassie. And Cassie, uh, she says, she wants to invite me to this thing on campus. Uh, She didn't really know what to call it. She says it's called T&L. It's this church thing, Thursday Night Live, you should come to it, we do this thing, and, and, and she didn't really know, and I'm like, well, you know, I like God, I mean, and, you know, let's, let's just be honest, she was cute. So I went with her, <laughs> but what I was taught growing up totally got in the way. See, I was taught that uh, you couldn't use instruments or, or clap or anything when you worship God, and so I get to this thing, and remember clap songs, like everything seemed to be a clap song? And we always clapped every song. So I get there, and there's this, the band is, is up there. They're rocking it out, and people are whooping and hollering, and they're singing, they're clapping, and everyone's just having a great time. And, and then there's me. 
I'm sitting in the back because I don't think I'm allowed to like clap and sing along. And I just look around at those people just having a great time and I just think, all these people are going to hell. <laughs> That's what I was thought. But the strange thing was, is my heart was tugged the whole time. It just seemed very, very real to me. And then <laughs> afterwards, we're standing there, we're just hanging out, and this guy named Scott, he's, he's just, he's just walking around, and he's going up and getting in people's faces and going, for the love of God! Go to the next person, for the love of God! And just down the line, just watching, for the love of God! And then he gets to me, and he stops, and he looks me up and down and goes, you got some girth. <laughs> Thank you. He says, you should do this too. I'm like, do, do it. Just, just go to people and say, for the love of God. And I'm, I'm like, uh, okay. So I start going around, going to people, for the love of God. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm crazy, 18-year-old. Don't judge me. <laughs> but it just seems so real. It seems so real. And as I hung around that group more, I just had all these conversations with people. I, I distinctly remember conversations. Eric Bika sitting there with a guy named Joel and talking about why I believe what I believe and him, him just exuding so much confidence about what he believed. And I wanted to know more. And, and a conversation with, with Tom and the, the Flying Tomato Pizza Parlor. We're sitting there and he's asking me, well, what, what's going to happen to you when, when you die? What's, what's happening with your life? And sitting in, in the theater lounge and Sally time after time, would just challenge my heart and, and uh, some of the beliefs that are in it. And so through those conversations and through the teachings of the church, I finally realized how to have a real relationship with God, and I became a believer. So I'm, I'm, st I'm still a crazy 18-year-old, but now I'm a crazy 18-year-old Christian. And so I start getting very excited about everything. I mean, I'm just engaged with people. I'm loving the whole thing. I'm just running around with all this enthusiasm. If you know me now, uh, you know I'm a passionate, kind of a loud fella. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, here's me now, and this is, I mean, I was, he I mean, it was out of control. And I was excited about everything about God, and I was also excited about all these God-loving women that were in the group. I was excited about it all. So I had energy and passion. I'm running around, and I was being somewhat affected with my faith, but the distractions were kind of splitting my focus. The lines started getting a little fuzzy. And I remember a conversation with my good buddy Tom. We're standing outside of his apartment. And he says, Alan? And he said, it was just such admiration to me. He just says, Alan, you have a, you have a shepherd's heart. And I said, Tom, thank you. I don't know what that is, but thank you very much. <laughs> and he, he told me that it's good to have a love for people, but you have to love them in a way that's going to be helpful for them. You've got to be careful of how you love people. I have to be purposeful. And so I told him, I said, sure, that sounds great. I don't know what you mean, but that sounds great. And he offered to meet with me more regularly and show me what the Bible says about it. See, Tom saw my potential, but he also saw the danger of distraction. And so we would meet and we'd walk through the gospel and he'd help me protect and cultivate it in my heart. And so although I'm very, very, very grateful for Cassie and for inviting me, and I'm, I'm very grateful for Joel and Sally and these conversations, I am extremely grateful for Tom because he drew alongside of me. And, and, and many people along the way, uh, Joel and, 
and Aziz, my wife, Samantha, Thad, all these people that drew alongside of me and helped me to see what Jesus said is true about himself when he said it's true about me. See, the endurance of my faith was a result of a personal connection. Jesus shown to me, not more of the same that I had gotten growing up. Tom was very intentional, specifically helping me to see how he wanted to use me, me, <laughs> this guy. And he wanted me to see how I could love his people. He would repeat this phrase to me time and time again, and I love this, I love this. Love God and love people. Teach others to love God and love people so they'll teach others to love God and love people. He tell me that all the time. That's just, that's, that's just what, what you need to do. And see, if you're like me, you need a personal interaction. You need a, someone to just help it take root in your life. Because there's acceptance, and then there's growth. We can hear it, and we can receive it, but we need to grow in our faith. We, we need more Toms. Because Tom can't do it all. My Tom, he actually went to be with the Lord a couple years ago. I miss him. miss him dearly. But that's why Jesus gave us a great commission. You guys familiar with this? Matthew 28, where he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples, teaching them to obey. A continual, go make disciples. Go find people. Tell them how to be a disciple of Christ. Show them how to grow. Reach and teach. You see that? So I want to give us a way to think about discipleship of how to draw alongside of people. And Jesus gives us actually this great illustration of how people and and soil and growth work. So we're going to look at this. So if you'll pull out your notes, if you haven't done this, inside your worship folder, Jesus gives us an illustration of things to watch for, an illustration to help us understand. We're going to look in Luke 8. It's also in Matthew 13 and Mark 4. And we'll read this parable, okay? Verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jump down verse 11. Now the parable is this. He's going to explain this to us. The seed is the word of God. The ones among the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock, well, those are when they hear their word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while in time of testing, they fall away. And as far as what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, those upon hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart, bear fruit with patience. So Jesus wants us to understand our heart, how we hear and how we accept truth. That we're affected, we're affected by the world around us, the distractions, 
the cares, the desires, the things that are coming at us every which way, that we can be distracted and pulled away from the word of God. But in the same way, we can be pushed, supported, propelled to the word of God. By caring for each other, it can make a difference. If we take heed of what's going on around us, we can make a difference to each other. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's on your notes. See, this is what he says. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So let's make no mistake right up front here. We interact. We get involved. But it's clear that he dictates the growth with me but if we can help each other i want to know how i want to know how i can help cultivate the heart soil in someone else so let's look back at this parable because he gives us some warnings we can watch for and how this works for us okay let's go through this really quickly so there's first the path we talked about the birds devoured there's a little chart that it's helpful for me to see it it's helpful for you it's in your notes the birds devoured it it's, it's like the devil's stealing it. This, this shouldn't be a surprise to us. We know that the devil is a thief. But what, what can we do? When you want someone not to trample on your garden, you want to keep things away from what do you do? You put up a scarecrow, right? Warren says, hey, we're keeping watch on this garden. And so in the same way, we pray for these people. We pray that the Lord keeps watch. And it's like us saying, let's put a big, scary scarecrow here, keep out. That's how we deal with the path. Then there's the rock. People that are withering. Well, what do you do with a withering plant? You see a plant, you walk in, you forgot to water. You water right away, you put some shade on it. You give it some short-term help for these short-term trials. You jump right into action. You want to help them, right? You immediately do that. In the moment, you jump in until they can get transplanted to deeper soil. Let me tell you a little story. This is, uh, this is a, a young believer who had come to our community. This was back on campus. And come to our community, was, it was starting to take root. Uh, but then a trial came along. And here's a little note uh, I just love. A few weeks ago, that's what she says, a few weeks ago, I got robbed right near my house. It wasn't a big deal, but it was nice when a lot of people at church were really supportive in making sure that I was okay. The Sunday after it happened, Alan Budd came up to me and gave me a hug. He said he had a surprise for me and pulled a big lollipop out of his shirt pocket with this goofy grin on his face. He told me it would make me feel better. What touched my heart after feeling so lost in the crowd at OSU for so long just to know that someone made the extra effort to do something so simple but so nice let me know that they were thinking about me. It really made a difference. I really appreciated that moment. I hope you see it. It's not the sucker. It wasn't a magical sucker. But it was care amongst the trial. It's drawn alongside the short-term problem that wanted to distract this person that was learning and growing. Just give a little care, okay? And then there's the thorns. This is the seed that is growing, but so are the thorns. So what do you do when you see weeds? Well, if you're me, you don't do anything until your neighbors start to revolt. Which is today, by the way. I'm doing that. So if you drive past my house, 
I'm on it, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me. But you protect the good seed from pulling away the bad. You want to give the good seed room so it can grow. You separate the two. And so this is what Tom did for me. He saw the distraction coming up alongside the gospel, and he wanted to make sure that I focused on this. And he carefully just separated the two so I could focus on the gospel. I needed focus from the distraction. And then there's the good soil. Growing, but still needs pruning to produce good fruit. Attention here creates more effectiveness, support, training, encouragement. Here's a, here's a note. This is just from a gal from, from the campus church that I was with where she was growing. I mean, she was a leader with us. She was just doing lots of good things, but just things kept coming. And, and so she just participated a lot and, and came over to the house with my wife. And I, this is what she wrote to us. Thank you for all the times you had me over for dinner and just let me vent about my life. Thank you for never judging me and always being gentle when you correct me. You both have truly helped me grow and mature spiritually over the last three years. I hope that you see just from these four types that we just need to pay attention. Because if we pay attention, we'll, we'll see the need. And when we see the need, we'll meet the need. As believers, when we see it, we can say, well, we can help with that. And you may be thinking, well, this all sounds good, but how? Well, the next two weeks, here's the good news. Next two weeks, Pastor Brian and Pastor Brett are going to share with us a little bit more how, dig into some, some practical things we can do. I hope you can be here for that. It's going to be very, extremely helpful for us. But our best, for the rest of the time today, I want to help prepare the ground by looking at some instruction that was given to us from the Apostle Paul, okay? This was a letter that he wrote to Timothy, who he was discipling. And if we're going to listen to anyone, we're going to listen to Paul, right? Because Paul was a beast. <laughs> I mean, that's the guy he went to listen to. So let's look at the counsel that he gives Timothy. If you want to follow along your notes, they're in there too, okay? Let's pull out a couple insights from this. Number one, investing in others begins with God's heart. Look at verse three. I remember you constantly my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I mean, do you hear this concern? This longing, this appealing to God in prayer? You see that loving heart that Paul has for Timothy. And I know, I know I caused Tom to pray. He told me at times, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> but he was praying for me and he kept spending time with me. So if you don't hear anything else from this, hear this, that discipleship starts, you have to love them and care for them, willing to spend time in prayer and be with them. It's out of a caring heart. It's got to start there. So let's look at number two. Investing in others is a response to God's graciousness. Verse six. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, this reminder is key. He asks us to participate, but it's his gift that he gives us. His power that propels us. His love that fuels us. It's all about him. It's all about him. Okay, think for a minute here of a car. 
there's a little inexpensive piece of metal or plastic on the front of the car, the grill. You know what I'm talking about, the grill right at the front? What the grill does, it allows the air to pass through so the engine doesn't overheat. So the engine can fuels the car, moves the car, does all the work. But in order for the message to continue from point A to point B, it's got to keep moving. And it's got to allow that air to go through. See, for us, we just want to open up and let the Spirit work. He's driving it. He's got the engine. He's doing all the work. But if we close off to it, our engine is going to burn up. The car is going to break down. And you know what a car becomes when it doesn't drive, right? An extremely large paperweight. I thought I'd give you a little Pastor Steve joke there. (laughs) I figured you might be missing him, so here we go. All right, number three. Investing in others teaches that God is sovereign. Verse 8, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us into a holy calling. Do not be ashamed, no matter what the consequence for obeying. The power of God remains. See, if we approach this from our comfort, we might hold back. Paul was in chains, and he understood this, that we, like him, have a holy calling to make disciples and teach them to obey. So think about this. For us, I mean, what's the risk? What risk do we have? See, I think too often when it comes to discipleship and, and mentoring, we're open to do it. We're open to help out if someone asks us. But this lays all the burden on the person who needs help. Instead, we shouldn't be ashamed. We should step into it. Yeah, there's a chance for rejection. It might look goofy or silly. But really, who should face that? The less mature that needs help or the more mature that can provide help? Who should, hold, who should hold on to that? And really, if that's the biggest suffering that we have, that our image might look a little weird, or we might read the sign wrong, I mean, this is nothing compared to the cross, right? See, our testimony is to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. He's in control. He called us to his holy calling. It's all about him. We just need to respond. Let's look at number four. Investing in others points us to Christ. Verse 9. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The most common pushback I hear is, well, what do I have to offer? I mean, I have junk of my own. Yes, you really do. (laughs) So do I. So do all of us. And in fact, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Christ. He wants to use us not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace. It's it's all about him. I mean, have you noticed the most trouble we get into is when we take it upon ourselves? When we make it about ourselves? Have you noticed that? See, when we make it about him, it takes all the pressure off, and we, we, we get to participate. And the more we step out in faith, the more that we declare it's all about him and not what we have to offer, that he brought it to light, it's on display even as we do it. 
Even if we mess up, it shows it's all about him. So the good news for you and the good news is for me that the more messed up you are, the more points you and them to Christ. Good news. Praise God. I don't have to worry. All right, number five. Investing in others teaches us to trust more in Jesus. Verse 12, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Wow, that is a bold declaration, right? It's, it's good for us as a testimony for our own heart. It confirms that he's able to do it all. We just need to trust in him. Unashamed to convince that he is able to fulfill the promise. I stand on nothing else. Have faith in Jesus and rest in his love. Okay, number six. Investing in others teaches us to teach others to stand firm. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, verse 14, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. See, Paul shows us we need to implore others to do the same. We need to be bold in our challenge to believers. Challenge them by the Holy Spirit. Stand firm. Guard the message that you have. Flee from sin. Stand firm so the message may grow in your life. He implores us to do the same. I often wonder, I ask myself, why would Jesus want to use us? I mean, why doesn't he just do it himself? You know, zap us with the Holy Spirit. Like, pew, right to our heart. Laser focus. I mean, he knew exactly what's going on. He'd do it better, truer. He wouldn't get it wrong. Why would he use us? And I remember this. He asked us because it's good. It's good when we do it because it glorifies his name. And it's really good for our heart when we do it. He allows us to do it because it's good. He's glorified, and it's good for us. It's really good for us. I mean, responding this way is incredible. If you haven't done this for a while, or you've never done this to help someone cultivate the heart soil, it's amazing. Even when you're bumbling, fumbling, messing it up, wonderful or not, he's glorified our unashamed faithfulness to respond to the gospel by making discipleship, cultivating the message that is inside. It's discipleship at its purest. And it's good for us to do it. And think back to the Catalyst. We, you know, we started Catalyst, the small group, back in 2010. And I've had a pleasure of watching this group grow, both more people impacted for Christ and, in, and just in people's lives, just seeing this grow. And I'm excited especially about some of them that really have caught into building into others. And I'm thinking of a few examples, but let me tell you about one of them. There was a guy who was here in the beginning in, in 2010. Let's call him Matthew. Well, Matthew, he gets it. He gets the Great Commission to make disciples. And so he starts kind of putting himself out there and, and building into, we'll call him Mark. Well, first, Mark doesn't think has anything to offer. He doesn't have anything to offer, but Matthew convinces him and says that God has a plan, and Mark starts to grow, realizing and starting to understand to fan into flame the gift of God that he has, and he gets excited about it. So now, 
Mark is building into a new guy. His name is Luke. <laughs> you saw where I was going with this, right? <laughs> Here's what's cool. I'm excitedly now, I'm excitedly watching Luke. Because I'm seeing it start to happen again. Luke is getting it. He's building into other people. And even the last couple weeks, passing it on and building into John. And there are countless stories around New Life. I hear them all the time. My hope is that we actively look, as we see and hear about it more, we actively jump into it and pursue new ways to engage with each other and to build into each other. We'll hear more and more stories happening around here. Wouldn't that be cool as a church? Well, let's do this. If you'll stand with me, the prayer partners are going to come up and the band's going to come up. Like I said, next week, Pastor Brian's going to dig in a little bit more how. Like, how do I do this? How do I, how do I make some next steps, some first things? How do I do that? And for now, I want you to do this. Think about the people in your life who have been an influencer for you. Way back in the beginning, maybe just for a short while, or and they did that really key thing that just helped it sink a little deeper, or they drew alongside you in that time of need. I mean, think about those people. I mean, think about your Toms, right? Think about the Toms, people that made a difference for you. Think about the things that they did. And when you think about that, do you think that you could do something like that for someone else with the help of the creator of the universe? Would well, you think you could do that? So here's my challenge. Will you join me in prayer this week? I want us to pray for two people. Two people. Just think about two people that you could be intentional with. Pray that the Lord would send them to you. Maybe you think of some people that's around you right now. Just two people that you could say, if I just get a little more intentional, if I just look around where their heart is, and I, maybe I could help. There's many forms, many ways of doing it. We're going to dig into that next over the next two weeks. But for now, will you just think of two people? For the love of God, will you think of two people? I understand what it means now. <laughs> it's good for us to respond. So will you pray that those two people, that the Lord will use you to bring them closer to him? And you, you may be thinking, I, I want to do this. I'm timid about the whole thing. Remember, they didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love. You may, may be thinking, I, I don't have any clarity about this. Come back next week. Maybe it's just jumbling. You don't, you don't know what you're going to do, or you don't know who your two people could be, or maybe you even have one or two people in your heart right now, and you got their names any of this is you, would you consider going to the prayer partner and just saying, will you pray with me? I think this guy, I can help. Call him out by name. Just pray together. Or I, I want to do it. I just don't know how. Will you receive a prayer of blessing and support? It's why they're here. See, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. So let me remind you what Tom told me time and time again. Love God, love people. Teach others to love God and love people. So they'll teach others to love God and love people. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you, will you, will you do the work? Will you help us respond? Will you show us how you want to use our life? We know it's your calling. You've called us, in, us into, and we don't necessarily know today how to respond. And would you reveal that to us, that we can pass on this love that we have in an intentional way and step out in faith and maybe look a little goofy and why we do it, but to draw alongside. And I think of just Tom in my life and where I'd be if he wasn't there. And I pray that we would be those kind of people others around your life and if we need that if we need that kind of person in our life that we're open open as we're approached and ask if we need it would you help us be that kind of church ready to respond to you will you lead us now as we're thinking through the two people we, we, we might have some influence over we might be able to help would you show us those and reveal that and help it just churn in our minds and our hearts this week Praise your name that you asked us to participate. You allowed us to be part of this because it's good for us. We trust it to you.